Good morning. Good morning. I'm Kaz, if you didn't know that already. I'm part of the leadership team here. Um, and something weird happens every time I get up here. I just get ridiculously nervous. I think it's all your fault, by the way. <laughs> well, because I think if I got up here and you weren't all here, I'd be fine. But um, yeah, so bear with me. And I realize that this is quite stressful if you have hair. Most of the people who preach here don't have much hair. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And I went to put it on, and I was like, oh, no, I should have put my hair up. So if it looks crazy, just don't take any pictures. Um, so um, we are currently in a preaching series on prayer called Awaken, on the spiritual practice of prayer. And um, hopefully you, you know that. Hopefully you've been here in court, at least some of it so far. Um, and the reason that we're in that series is because there's been a real genuine sense across a whole range of people that God wants to awaken us all to a fresh understanding and a fresh experience of prayer. So um, these preaching series are never by accident, and, and this one is particularly significant in that it feels like God's really doing something amongst the body um, in terms of wanting to wake up his people. Um, but being woken up is not always a comfortable thing, is it? Um, in fact, different ones of us have different responses to being woken up. If you've got children, you'll be aware of that. So we have two children. They're not in here, which is great because I can say stuff about them. They're not here. No one tell them. Um, now, Marissa, she's five. She's quite keen to get up in the morning. In fact, more keen than we would generally like. <laughs> which means she comes in. We don't really need an alarm. We have one, just in case. But she's the alarm. She comes in. She's quite jolly about waking up in the morning and waking everybody else up as well. Maya is 10, so she's not even a teenager yet. Less enthusiastic about waking up. Or even less enthusiastic about being woken up if you're the person. Clive always seems to get out of waking her up. It always seems to be me. And it's quite, you need to allow quite an amount of time for that because she needs to adjust to the fact that she's being woken up. Um, there we have it. I'm sure it's going to get worse. So if you've got teenagers and you're thinking, oh my goodness, you haven't seen it, don't tell me. <laughs> I don't need to know. Um, but... What's true in the physical is often also true in the spiritual. And, and that's very true to when God begins to stir us and awaken us, sometimes it's uncomfortable. We have different responses to it, don't we? And, and sometimes it, it can be an uncomfortable sense of God's trying to wake us up. And um, actually, just this last Monday gone... Clive and I had a real sense of God stirring us to pray. It was separately what we normally do on a Monday morning is work out. <laughs> Take the kids to school, have a workout. And I'm quite a routine person. That's what happens on a Monday. On a Monday, I work out. Would you like to go and do this? No, I can't do that. I'm working out. And I really felt this sense of God saying, you need to just go and prayer walk. And I was like, well, I can, but I've got to work out first. <laughs> and, and I didn't know, but Clive... I'd also been feeling the same things. So I didn't want to say it to Clive because then it's real. <laughs> if it's in my head, then I can just... And he was feeling the same. And in the end, I was like, ah, oh, look, I feel like we're not supposed to work out. We're supposed to go for a prayer walk. And he was like, ah, oh, me too. <laughs> and, and as we just walked and talked and prayed together, it was just a brilliant time of sharing what we feel like God's saying and doing. And 
But there was that moment of that stirring, of that awakening of what God wanted to do in us. And it, and it does feel, talking to people, different people, that that's what's happening across the body at the moment, which is unsettling and also so exciting because it means that God is once again at work in what's happening. Um, and if you were here two weeks ago, you'll know that Colin talked about awakening us a fresh sense of intimacy with God, um, which starts by being in his presence, for making time to be in the presence of God. Um, so today, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. This is the first time ever I've been nervous about being able to do it in the time. Normally, again, I'm quite structured, so normally I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And today I'm a little nervous because it feels like a whole preaching series. And I've got about 25 minutes, if that. So here we go. If you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to it, we'll be in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And it's on the screen. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And most of us are quite familiar with that prayer. Most of us have heard it since we were children. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, this is what he gave them. He gave them the Lord's Prayer as a model. And it has become one of the most famous prayers in history. And it is massively simple, but so rich. And actually, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, said, it's simple enough to be memorized by small children, but profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of prayer. But the problem is one of the dangers is that we become over-familiar with it. We don't use it as a model necessarily. We recite it and don't really think about what it means. And if you go to a wedding or a funeral or a kid's assembly or anything like that, often it gets recited. And everyone recites it. Everyone knows it. You look around and go, wow, look at all these Christians in here, but not really. It's just that everyone knows it. And we recite it and not don't really take much time to think about what it means. Um, and so what I want to do today is just um, see what it teaches us about how and what we should pray and how it allows God to encounter us afresh through the Lord's Prayer. So it's quite conveniently split into nice sections, and it starts with adoration. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It starts by recognizing who God is and worshiping him. And I wonder that that's sometimes the bit we skip over. And it's not true for all of us, but sometimes that's, that's the bit, isn't it? We go, we've got all these things to pray about. I don't have long. I just get going. But actually, God is worthy to be praised and adored. And that is what we were made for. And everything else in the whole prayer flows out of recognizing who God is and acknowledging that he is majesty of heaven, creator of all things, author of life. That that's, that's who we're praying to. And actually, I wonder what faith we have to 
to hear our prayers answered if we don't first recognize who we're praying to. This is God who delivers and heals and sets free. And he deserves that time in our prayer life to say, God, I'm just going to sit at your feet. And actually, I think it was in the prayer meeting this morning, someone, I think it was Helen that was talking about being a, a Mary and not a Martha. And actually, that is what we need to make time for, is actually that's what it starts with before anything else, before it goes on to asking. And asking's the next bit. It's not wrong. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, are all prayers of asking. And at its core, prayer is primarily about asking God, right? Asking him for everything from daily bread to his kingdom come. From the smaller things that we need to sustain us to his kingdom to break in. And I wonder what that looks like if we really get hold of praying that. If we really believe that we pray, your kingdom come, I wonder what that looks like if we begin to see the kingdom of heaven break out on earth. And often we think about heaven as something, oh, we'll get there one day. But actually, if we get to see what is true now in heaven break out on earth, that we see freedom and justice, and love, and joy, and healing. That actually, if we really believe in our hearts, that if we pray those things, that we'll begin to see them break out on earth. And we really get hold of, Lord, your kingdom come. As we see injustice, and suffering, and pain, and war. I wonder if we really get hold of that in our hearts, what it means to pray that. And we get to pray for what sustains us too. We, you know what? You can pray for luxuries if you want. I'm not sure it's in the prayer that you're going to get them. I'm, Maya is fairly disappointed that that doesn't include a BMW. She thinks that's not a luxury. It's a necessity of life. Under much discussion at the moment that it isn't really a necessity of life. But actually, that's if you don't know that, by the way... Um, it doesn't promise that. It doesn't promise luxury. It doesn't, you go, why don't I have this? Why, but I really need a big house. Why don't I have that? By the way, you don't. And God promises to give us what sustains us. And what we think we need and what we actually need are often two different things. Sorry about that. The um, thing is, sometimes the worry about prayer is that we end up with shopping list prayers that we feel like we just go, Oh God, can you do this? And I need this. And can you do that? And do the, even if it's for other people, it just feels like a list. But prayer is relational. That actually, if we are in relationship with God, then we come to him and we ask. And not only that, but it recognizes our dependency on God. Because everything about this world is about independence and you can do it and anyone can do anything and you can make anything of yourself and just go for it. Well, actually, this says we need to come to our Father and ask for what we need and it, it recognizes our dependency on God. And the Bible calls us to ask boldly and persistently, but we're only going to do that if we really believe that prayer changes things. Because will we really go on asking if we have any doubt 
that things are changed by prayer. And I wonder if that's where we get stuck sometimes. And I know that's been true for me in the past. You get into the mindset of going, well, I've tried praying for that, and, but nothing really happened. And yet, does God really answer our prayers? Does it really make a difference if I pray? Will, will God really save my family? Is praying really going to heal my friend? Are we really going to see peace because of prayer? And sometimes the answer is persistence in prayer, which is somewhat of a problem these days because we live in an instant culture. We live in an Amazon Prime culture. I have Amazon Prime, by the way. Actually, I think it's Clive's, and I just tag off the back of it. It's even better. But you see, if you don't have Amazon Prime, by the way, do it quick. You're supposed to order it and get it the next day. It's very helpful. The things you need... Do you need them? Yes, very much so. Um, but it's all normally work things, by the way. Not all. I didn't say it always. I said normally work things. But anyway, if you use Amazon Prime, you'll realize that sometimes you order it and you go, great, I get the tomorrow. And he goes, that's going to arrive in three days. And you're like, what? It's Amazon Prime. It's supposed to come tomorrow, so you go check it again. Yes, that'll be in three days. I'm like, but it's Amazon Prime. It's supposed to come tomorrow. And that's the thing, isn't it? We want it now. We don't want to wait. Gone are the days of two weeks delivery. I don't want to wait two weeks for delivery. And it's a bit the same with um, video games. So this is also a hilarious conversation at house. So I'm definitely going to age myself a bit now. When I was younger, we had an Amstrad computer. It was brilliant. Amstrad computer. It was amazing. But if you wanted to play a game, the games are really limited. Um, we, I think we had Pac-Man and Chucky Egg. If you don't know what that is, it was really great. But it took half an hour to an hour to load. So you'd put it in, and then you'd have to find something else to do, or you could watch the thing on the screen just going around and around while you waited. So it's very exciting. So you'd go and find something else to do, and then by the time it loaded, you didn't really want to play anyway because you found something else to do. But now, um, when the girls want to play it, if it's one second they have to wait on the Wii or on the tablet, and they're like, why isn't it loading? I'm like, give it a minute. It's just like uploading all the changes and stuff. But... But that's the thing, isn't it? We don't want to wait for anything anymore. And that really is the culture that we live in. And sometimes that crosses over to prayer. Because we go, well, I've been praying about it for a month. A month's a long time. I prayed every day for a month. And nothing's happened. What shall I do? Well, the answer is, keep praying. But we don't always want to hear that, do we? Because we don't want to wait. And, uh, and it is like, all oh, the stories are funny, aren't they? But actually, it's true. We, we get so used to not waiting. Everything is so instantaneous now. And yet, Moses waited 40 years in the desert till God spoke to him. Then he wo- waited another 40 years to get to the entrance of the promised land. 40 years. Abraham waited until he was 100 for Isaac to be born to fulfill what God said about him being having an offspring as numerous as the stars. It gets worse. The Israelites waited 400 years to be set free from slavery. 400 years. 
And it's so easy to go, yeah, but that's in the Bible. They're just stories of people, people praying and waiting and waiting and praying. They're just people. And the Bible says perseverance produces character and character produces hope. It's good to persevere. So I'm going to do my little uh, book plug now. (laughs) I'm going to do two. So you know everyone keeps going on about Dirty Glory. You might be going, you know what, I haven't read it. It's really annoying. I wish people would just be quiet about it. (laughs) But it is so good, by the way. That's not even the book I'm plugging. I'm doing that next. Honestly, if if you're annoyed by everyone going on about it, read it, and then you can see what all the fuss is about. Is it genuinely... I read it last summer and it totally undid me. And now I'm reading it again. I feel like I've never even read it before. It just, there's something in there that God uses just to undo you. So definitely read that. Also read this. This is um, by the same guy, Pete Gregg. It's called How to Pray. And I have read lots of books on prayer, generally because it's one of the things I struggle with. And this is so helpful and so easy to read. Um, So there you go. Read those. Um, There is a brilliant story in here about um, the great preacher D.L. Moody, and it says this. Um, He knew all about waiting and persevering in prayer. In fact, he carried a list of 100 non-Christians for whom he prayed daily. Over the years, whenever one of them gave their life to Christ, Moody would cross their name off the list so that by the time of his death, no fewer than 96 of those 100 people had become followers of Jesus. What an amazing testimony to the power of perseverance. Even more remarkably, the remaining four surrendered their lives to Christ at Moody's funeral. All 100 saved simply because of Moody's bloody-minded determination, his refusal to relent over weeks and months and years. I don't know about you, but I've had lists before of non-Christians to pray for. Most of my family aren't Christians, and I'm like, right, this is it. I'm going to pray. pray them into the kingdom. That perseverance is a problem because... When I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that's amazing, great. But actually, 100 people is a lot of people, right? But he gave his whole life to it. It doesn't say when the first one happened. He could have prayed for years and years and years without seeing anyone come to Christ. It doesn't say. But 100 people over his lifetime, and four of them in he wouldn't even have known about until, well, maybe when he sees them in heaven. But the reality is, there's a call to persevere in prayer. We're called to intercede for others. That's the thing about prayer, isn't it? We do, we're not just praying for, for us. We get to intercede and pray for others. And also the prayer calls us to surrender. So as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. It reminds us, as we were talking about earlier, that it's about God's kingdom, about God's will, not ours, and all for his glory. It calls us into a posture of surrender and submission. 
And that, and that is so true for me personally recently. I feel like this constant call to get on my knees before God. And I feel like he's calling that to us as a people to say, surrender yourself before me. Call to submit afresh to his will. What does it look like to have a fresh encounter with God when it looks like submission and surrender first? Because actually... He's calling us to his will. And it is far too easy to make prayer about us, isn't it? It's far too easy to make it, your will be done, but if you could just make it the same as my will, that would be great. Because <laughs> often we're, you know, oh, only if this is what you want, God, but this is really what I want. But actually, when we really lay down our lives and say, Lord, what will you do with us? It changes how we pray, and it changes how we approach our walk with God. Um, I'm going, this feels like I'm going so fast because it's like the Lord's Prayer really quickly. But the next bit is about confession and reconciliation. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the reality is for this bit, we always, always need forgiveness. That Thankfully, God's grace is far deeper than our sin. But you see, sometimes our sin looks like sin, doesn't it? And we're aware of that. And we say, oh, I need to pray. I need to ask forgiveness over that. But actually, sometimes our sin just looks like putting things ahead of God. And that is more challenging to recognize. That actually, when our sin really looks like sin, it, we're like, oh, okay, I need, that's terrible. I shouldn't have done that. I need to ask forgiveness. But when our priorities are just shifted and God, instead of being here, has dropped down the ladder a few rungs and work and hobbies and even family has crept in above God, sometimes that's harder to recognize. But God's grace, God's mercy is always sufficient. And and. In, I think it's this book, Pete Gregg says, you cannot be too bad, too broken, too boring for God's unconditional love, only too proud to acknowledge you need it. And that is so true, that actually it's in the acknowledging that we need constant forgiveness without even getting into it, what it looks like forgiving others. Not cheap, incredibly costly, isn't it, in terms of forgiving others whether they want our forgiveness or not, it's never cheap, but it is also not optional. And when I was preparing for this and I was reading through, I was thinking, wow, that makes it sound like God's forgiveness is conditional. And I was like, I can't write that down. That doesn't sound right. And then I read the bit that comes after the Lord's Prayer that says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Which is heavy in itself. We don't put that on t-shirts, do we? I, our Christian stuff that we get printed up, no one puts that on a bookmark. But it's true. And so if we hold unforgiveness in our hearts... God will not forgive us. And so it's not optional. And we're not talking about people who come up to us and ask for forgiveness. We're talking about the people who don't really care. 
as well. It includes everyone, whether they want to be forgiven or not. Whether they're sorry or not. Whatever it is, however big. And we don't have time, I don't think. But um, there's a brilliant story from Corrie Ten Boom, who, oh, I could do another book plug, wrote a book called The Hiding Place, which is a brilliant book, about um, her time in a concentration camp. She was caught for hiding Jews in their home during the Second World War and taken to a concentration camp. And, but she tells this brilliant story afterwards, which um, I know I've definitely shared before because it just gets me every time I hear it. In turn, and she... She has just talked about forgiveness. She's preaching at a church. She, after the war, went round and shared her story and preached, amazing lady. And she just preached about forgiveness, this room full of people. And one of the guards from the concentration camp came up to her and said, um, oh, I, basically, I've been saved. I'm a Christian now. God has forgiven me and holds his hand out to her. And she's just like, I, how can I shake I just, God, I can't, I can't, I can't hold out my hand and shake his hand. I can't forgive him. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, and she basically prays and asks God and says, you will need to give me your forgiveness because I, I just, this man has caused such pain and, and such hurt in my life. She tells it well, much better than me, but, and it, she's enabled to pick up her hand, shake his hand, and as she does it, she just says that just this warmth flows through her where she knows that God is there and that as she is forgiven, so she is forgiven. But it's just this powerful story of going, whoever you are and whatever you've been through and whatever you need that forgiveness for, it, we are never beyond that. We are never beyond forgiving others. You, because sometimes we can go, yeah, but you don't understand, there's this. And that story, which I have here, you can have a look at it if you want to. It's not time to read it, but it's just such a brilliant reminder that there is nothing too great for that. And so it does feel like a massively whistle-stop tour of the um, Lord's Prayer. But the main point is that God wants to encounter you afresh wants to encounter each one of us afresh through prayer, through the Lord's Prayer, through that thing that we all know and have all read and probably just put aside. And he wants to encounter us afresh through that. So, so there must be application because if we just leave here today, you'll either go, that was good or that was rubbish, either way. Um, but there should be application because otherwise you just go home and, and nothing's different. And so... Everyone sat in here is going to have a different experience, having a different prayer life. Some of you might go, I get up early every day and pray for an hour before I go to work. Well done. <laughs> That's not me. But some of you might say, you know what? I struggle to pray at all in the day. I get up and I mean to, but then I get on with my day and it gets to dinner time and I realize I haven't prayed. And then, you know, and actually... All of that is okay. This isn't a, that's so terrible, you must pray more. This is a, wherever you're at, that's the place to start. And I could give a quick fitness analogy. So when, so I work with people just getting into fitness, people who are really fit, people who are a bit middle of the road, and all of those people are starting in different places, and that's fine. 
you have to start where you're at. So if where you're at is, I never pray, I'd like to, but I don't, probably don't decide to start with two hours every morning. <laughs> you could, but it might be a bit excessive for a beginning point. The fact is, committing to pray is, a, is the start. It's a discipline, isn't it? And actually, I, again, I think it's in this book. But my challenge to you and my challenge to me is this week, commit to pray every day for at least 15 minutes, all or part of the Lord's Prayer. You're not allowed to just recite it. <laughs> but actually, if that 15 minutes looks like 15 minutes of worshipping God, adoration, great. If the next day it looks like going through all of it in parts, great. If another day it's just asking for forgiveness and praying for those people that you need to forgive, great. Whenever, wherever. Now you can go, I'm just going to fit it in at different parts of my day, or you can go, at this time every day I'm going to pray. And if that is an interruption to my life, guess what? God wants to interrupt your life. He doesn't want to sit in the background. He wants to interrupt our lives. And that is what I feel at the moment as he begins to stir and awaken us. He wants to interrupt our lives. And that is a good thing. And so it, it is a choice, but actually, come on. Let's get stirred and awakened in prayer. And so... If it is longer than 15 minutes, great. But let's start with something. Let's start with some practical application to go, I am going to pray every day for at least 15 minutes on the Lord's Prayer. You don't have to tell me whether you did it or not. But now feels like a good time to respond. And again, everyone's in a different place. But it feels like as we move towards 24-7 prayer, which is just, I, it just feels like it's going to be such a time of encountering God. If, if you haven't signed up for it, sign up for it. Because I feel like in that quiet meeting place with God, that he is going to meet with us. As we put aside time in our day and in our week to, um, to put aside everything else and to say for that hour, whether it's in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night, I'm going to just put that time aside with God. I feel like as we do that, um, God is going to encounter us afresh. The Bible says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And it feels like God is stirring us as a church. And so, why don't you guys stand? That would be great because then I'm not stood up here by myself. It feels like we should respond because why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we respond to God as he begins to stir us and call us into fresh relationship with him? Why wouldn't we respond? Whether you're the person who doesn't pray, feels like they don't know how to pray, doesn't feel worthy of praying, whether you're the person who prays, if you are a prayer warrior and you pray every day all the time, whoever you are in that, God wants to get hold of you. God's not done with you. If you're new to this or you don't even know who Jesus is, he wants to get hold of you today. 
And so if you want to go, I do not know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. He wants to call you for that today. If you're like, I've been coming to this church for the last 25 years, but my prayer life has grown stagnant, God wants to get hold of you today. And so, very boldly, I'm going to do a prayer to come to the front. We say this all the time. There's nothing special about the front. The carpet is the same as at the back. But... There is something about stepping out of your seat and responding to the call of God. And I want to call you to do that today. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, whatever you're feeling, even if you're the person who says, I never get out of my seat and go to the front. Today is the day that we get to respond to God and let him get hold of our hearts afresh and awaken us. Because that's what he wants to do with us this morning.